back to the FitCast. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and back on the show, it seems like we were just sitting at the Yard House eating nachos and hanging out with uh, some fantastic people. That's Max Shank. Max, what's up? Just going, conti- Let's just continue the conversation that we had from, from out in Long Beach. All right, lay it on me. All right, I'm gonna drop. I'm gonna drop up this drop this huge open-ended question right now. Just gonna get right into it. I uh, I think you're a very fascinating person. I think you're a very fascinating fitness personality because you are, as you mentioned in that Patreon and PayPal uh, supporter exclusive segment, that you're 28 years old. You are. You're debt free. You own. Uh, you run a gym and you you own a business. You have a couple products out there. You're riding the wave of success, um, <laughs> but I want to know if, if if you had the opportunity, like you had that that stage at Perform Better this past weekend in Long Beach, if you had one thing that you think that the general fitness audience needs to hear, the the fit cast audience needs to hear, um, what do you think is like just an extremely important subject to present on and to to talk about with that audience? Uh, that's definitely a leading question, but it's got to be managing your personal finances. We just talked about that for 30 minutes. I know it's still, (laughs) it's still, it still has to be that because if you don't take care of that, you, you're no good to anybody. Uh, if for example, your gym's not going to stay open and such. Well, let's think about it this way. Would you give someone the shirt off your back? Uh, it depends who it is. Okay. Just say, uh, in general, would you give some? Are you like a nice enough person you'd want to give someone the shirt off your back? Yeah, if I th- if I thought they really needed it. Here's the problem with that kind of type of thinking, though, is now you still have one person with no shirt. So it's kind of like when you're on an airplane, they say you got to put on your own oxygen mask first. Mm-hmm. If you don't take care of yourself financially, you're no good to anybody. If you have tons of debt and you have to close down your gym you just let down everybody else there or in my case if you own a business and you carry a bunch of debt so much so that when you know you have a little recession or a depression or even just a market crash now you got people who depend on you for a job as well who might need to be fired mm-hmm. i mean because the the business has to go on right i mean you can lower everybody's pay there are a lot of strategies but you know, you have to take care of personal finances first. And then after that, it's orthopedic health for sure. You know, take care of your joints, take care of your flexibility, and just try to build healthy habits. Those are, those are the two things. I mean, if you do those things, if you do those two things, and then as a third thing, just really, actually, truly, legitimately care about the people you work with, you'll do well. Are you the only coach at your facility? No. How many coaches do you have now? Uh, one, two, three, four, seven. Wow. Okay, so so you guys are growing. We're doing all right. We're doing all right. Yeah, I'm happy with how everything's going. Uh, you you mentioned um, you know making sure that we're taking care of our of our mobility. What 
I mean, this is something that is obviously something that we should take care of uh, for, for overall uh, overall body. But um, are there specific joints that you deserve, uh, think deserve a little bit more attention that people uh, should uh, keep an eye on and, and maybe you know focus more on like a like a two to one kind of situation in terms of ratio of mobility work that they would do on it or stability work or whatever? You know, interestingly enough, uh, it is kind of like trying to choose uh, your favorite kid. And every parent, of course, has a favorite kid. They're just too afraid to say which one it is. Um, <laughs> but I w- <sighs> that is such a tough call. It's so important to have a spine that can move. Mm-hmm. It's so important to have a spine that can move and then also have core stability. So that's like from the center. But then something that gets ignored a lot are the hands and feet. I remember um, many years ago taking a course with my friend Dr. Cobb, and he talked about the high payoff mobility exercises. Mm-hmm. And it was it was all in the feet and ankles. It's all in the feet and ankles. Those were the high payoffs. It was at, no, it was the feet and ankles. It was the thoracic spine. Uh, and it might have been, yeah, so spine, ankles, and maybe hands and wrists too, especially because we're on phones and computers so much. Were there any um, like standards on that stuff, like a, like a certain amount of like dorsiflexion or, or anything like that? You know, I, I've started to worry less and less about that and mm-hmm. focus more on Just left like and right. Just like regular movement? Okay. Well, left, left and right symmetry. I mm-hmm. mean, if you start measuring people's ankles, you're going to drive yourself insane. I remember... <laughs> Um, when I went through FMS, like many, many years ago, uh, we were testing the inline lunge, which if Mm -hmm. you're familiar, you stand, have someone stand on a two by four and you have them hold a stick behind their back and you have them try to lunge. And I'm watching this happen and I'm watching one person hold their hand so that the person's heel had to drop back down between their fingers I'm watching one person put their hand in front of the other person's shin to make sure that they don't go too far forward. And I'm having one person take a look at the stick and make sure they're upright. And I'm thinking, these people are completely (laughs) missing the point. The whole Mm -hmm. idea is it's like a quick look. Okay, either that's good, it's neutral, or it sucks. Mm -hmm. Like It's it's simple. But, um, you know, measuring everything, unless you have the background – of a thorough understanding of how the body works, mm-hmm. it, you're going to drive yourself crazy. And part of that is just because of the people that you'll see. You know, I work with a guy right now who's an ex-pro football player, and I would describe his level of dorsiflexion as zero. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got no – and it, his his feet suck, honestly. Now, part of that is that he's been wearing – uh, probably tape yeah, exactly. on his ankles and feet for years. Was he like a, a lineman? What's that? No, he was a linebacker. Okay. But he's ridiculously fast. Mm-hmm. He's got super stiff ankles. Uh, has When he first came in, had s- like super zero hip extension too. Mm-hmm. And, and we worked on a couple things, but you know, you're never going to get perfect. You just have to get to the point where they're functional, quite honestly. You know, functional and non-painful is really the whole story there. But the biggest thing, I think, is just to make it a habit. Make that moving around a habit. 
how would you would you do that with like I don't know something like a like a five minute flow or I'm just spitballing here do, like five minute sure. movement or five yeah. minute like so, five minutes of stuff. So the five minute flow thing was born. I, I was trying simply to make a, because I was trying that. to make a joke. Sorry, you're you're leading right into it for me. You're <laughs> you're pitching me softballs, Kevin. I thought this was a legit show. <laughs> it uh, is. It is legit. <laughs> well, I could have no, said, tell I me about your products. <laughs> no, no, this is good. <laughs> um, five minute flow was exactly for that reason. It's so people would make it a habit. Because when I was giving people, let's say, twenty to forty minutes of mobility homework to do, no one would ever do it. So you have to start out small, and doing it in the morning is better than doing it at any other time. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, every step you take after you do a five-minute flow, after you do a joint mobility session, is going to be like rehab. It's going to be like therapy. Every step you do after laying down stiff in one position and feeling stiff all day is going to be like the opposite of therapy. It can actually break you down. Uh, I think walking is super underrated as a piece of the puzzle for health. I mean, we just don't walk very much, but walking is great for you. Um, but, but I would say you have to make mobility a part of your daily routine. And if you do it in the morning, it'll carry over through into other good habits, and it'll make the rest of your movement that day more like rehab because of the foundation you've laid for it. I've uh, I've been able to follow all the the, the five minute flows and, and use it as sometimes not always inspiration but just motivation to kind of just get up from my desk and move around for a little bit throughout the day for those of us that need to you know make use of a a desktop or even uh, you know some something like that and and I think you know what is. What could potentially be the the best population for this stuff is you know the office worker, which who isn't that these days unless you're like a a personal trainer or something like that or someone that's working in a in a warehouse. Um, but but have you found like that is kind of like the population that you're starting to attract is is the office worker that needs lots of mobility work? Well, you know, interestingly enough, yes, and that is part of what sparked the entire redo of my entire website. Mm -hmm. So I just redid my whole website and very deliberately set it up so people could choose what path they were currently on. So I have it split up into people who are beginners, people who are a little bit broken, and people who are looking for the next level. Because even though most of what I talk about now is the importance of mobility, I still like doing heavy deadlifts and backflips and handstands. Mm-hmm. So there there had to be a way to help people navigate uh, without getting intimidated if they're on the a little bit broken or beginner side of things. So right. I have, the truth is most of my products are geared toward beginners because those are the ones who really need the help. People who are already fairly fit can bounce around from program to program and and they really don't need that help to go from zero to one and build that momentum, overcome that inertia. So it's it's really important that you give people a logical path uh, all the way from level zero. You got to start somewhere, and that somewhere is five minute flow, which is the door that leads them on the fitness path. Gotcha. And that was what I was missing when I put out Ultimate Athleticism, which I still get great comments about all the time. Actually, someone at Perform Better. Uh, said that he and four of his gym members have been on the program, the Ultimate Athleticism program, for 10 months straight, making Mm -hmm. fantastic progress. So I thought that was really cool. 
That's good to hear. Yeah. Well, I, I um, there's there's a couple of places that I want to go with this stuff, but um, selfishly, one of the places that I do want to put it is the 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 person that is traveling quite a bit because that is kind of again the world that we live in today where we're finding that yep. you know we're jumping on planes we're sitting on the tarmac for an hour while they get ready to you know get all those other damn planes that don't matter out of the way and before we take off we're we're sitting there we're in those terrible economy seats and then that is making a significant impact on us as we sit for that you know three five six you know if we're going overseas twelve hour twelve hour flight. Um, so, so what is the game plan that you give to someone that is going to be traveling? Is it moving before? Is it moving after? Is it moving both? Like, what what is the right game plan for making sure that we don't allow that, you know, that long sedentary uh, event on that plane to have an effect on us? Well, as someone who's been to Europe five times this year and is going a sixth time next weekend and a seventh, eighth, and ninth time later in the year, I can definitely relate to traveling a lot and being on a plane a lot. It is challenging, not only at the airport, but also even more challenging on the plane to stay moving around. And I know for me that I have a couple strategies. One is I try to get up as often as I can. Mm -hmm. And I I take the window seat, so if I... I want to sleep, I can, and I'll just climb over the other people. But there's usually like a little area near the bathrooms where you can hang out. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll try to spend at least 10 full minutes just standing up and stretching around there. Like I'll crank out some uh, quad stretch, single leg deadlifts. <laughs> this I'll is squats. this is hilarious because I do the same thing, but I do it in the bathroom so no one sees me. So I go in the bathroom. Yeah, so yeah. like if I'm flying to Japan, we get the uh, nice 787 Dreamliners, so the bathrooms are friggin' huge. Um, okay. So I'll just go in the bathroom, do some you know butt kick pullbacks, you know, do some like, overhead squats and stuff like that. Just do some squats right. in the bathroom, be good to go. Yeah, you got to do something. Mm-hmm. You have to do something, um, and and it has to be frequent too. I mean, you have a couple things working against you. You got really uncomfortable seats. I mean, they're they're horrible most of the time. <laughs> Really, like it's one piece of technology that just hasn't caught up. But yeah, like it's being, being planes able to are ridiculously put, expensive. But yeah. yeah, no headrest that allows you to actually sleep without your neck hurting. Like the you you have to buy the extra. Like JetBlue is great, but like I did two overnights with them over the last like couple of weeks. No pillows are included. It's like ten bucks for a pillow, even though what, what bucks- person's neck and head. Looks like those chairs. They, <laughs> That's they, what I'm saying. They fold forward. It's like they're trying to turn you into a little pretzel. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you have to get up and move around. And I always bring a lacrosse ball with me. I always bring some bands with me. Uh, I usually bring a pair of sliders uh, with me as well. On the just plane. So I can do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, the little TheraBands, the little skinny ones. Yeah. I can, I can do some shoulder stuff. I can even just do some wrist and grip stuff while I'm sitting in my chair. Mm-hmm. It, it, here's the deal. Everybody knows what they could do. They just don't do it because they're embarrassed, probably. It's the same reason I'm the only one ever moving in the airport before the plane takes off. Right, because what's like, the best situation is to go into the airport, get through security, sit down for an hour, then get on the plane. Right. Let's prepare to sit down for 11 hours by sitting down for one hour in a slightly better chair. It, that sounds right. It's it's pure insanity, right? Um, 
And then the other thing that I'll do is I won't do anything heavy for the first day or two after I travel. Um, nothing super heavy. And so as a result, I haven't been able to lift heavy as many times this year as I normally would, mm-hmm. truthfully. But, you know, that's kind of just comes with the territory. I remember uh, traveling to Germany one time and I tried to deadlift like a medium to medium heavy amount <laughs> right after and it just didn't feel good so mm-hmm. uh, and that happened like twice it took me two times to learn this lesson so now I just don't do anything heavy I do a lot of uh you know unweighted lunging and movement flow type of stuff and pull-ups and things that are more decompressive mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I always um like travel, like my travel go-to, and this is something that like we did a cert out in, we actually, we actually did like two and actually we did three in the span of five days and people were kind of uh, asking that, that question, like what do you do when you travel and all that stuff? And actually I mentioned, I did mention the five minute flow series. So I, I did drop a little bit of a, you know, a plug on that, but boom, I know. And also, uh, like, honestly, I think when you do do like that travel stuff, it is just kind of having, having some sort of a plan, but not necessarily feeling like it is super rigid. Like I'll bring, I pack a valve slide and I pack not like the thinnest, but the second size up of the jump stretch bands. So I can, you know, do some band resistant pushups. I can load up that band and attach it to like uh, a door handle and I can do some rows in there. Just making sure I I test the handle because I did break a door handle. I didn't get charged for it though, thankfully. Um, But don't break the door handle or even just, uh, like attaching it to if like the desk is locked into the ground, like at the cheaper hotels where they like screw right. the desks into the ground, like <laughs> attach it to that. And that way you can right. do a bunch of loaded stuff, but at least you're doing something. And like you said, not loading it up so much or not doing a really heavy, you know, deadlifting session before jumping on the plane the next morning. Just be smart about it. Yeah. No, you're you're hundred percent right. It really all comes down to having some kind of a plan but then also realizing that it, it, it doesn't matter what you do when you're mm-hmm. on vacation. Like just hit the major movement patterns is what I tell people. You know, you got your upper push pull, you got your lower push pull, core, twist. Simple as that. It, it doesn't is- matter what implement you're using, it just matters what you're able to do. Right. So just get it done. And if you find some place to do chin ups, do chin ups. Oh, Good. hell yeah. Those are great. Uh, oh, especially for the decompression, like we were talking about. Yeah, how, how do you feel about? And this is something that I got introduced into in in Utah by my friend Chris. But the um, what what do they call them? The uh, inversion boots. So that those are great, but they're not amazing for decompression mm-hmm. uh, because you. So true decompression should be on a very small slant, mm-hmm. and ideally, it won't have that much pressure on the ankles because that will make you tighten up a little bit. I was actually talking to uh, someone about this the other day. Ideally you want to do between five and 10 minutes and you're just not going to be able to do five or 10 minutes with the inversion boots. Now, do I think the inversion boots are great for strengthening the core, uh, mobilizing the spine, open chain? Uh, Yes, absolutely. Do I think they're the best for decompression? No. Gotcha. Just curious. Um, yeah. 
So uh, another thing that I want to hit on is is just like we talked a lot of of mobility stuff, but I think you know the big thing that you're you're not just known for for mobility, but just also for you know, feats of strength and, you know, trying to find that balance between, I I think that is a challenge right now. Like people trying to find the balance programming wise between mobility and and strength. It's even something that we go up against at at Mike Ball Strength and Conditioning where, you know, we have this certain Mm -hmm. block of time. We have, we have a lot of things that we need to do in terms of mobility, but we also have things that we need to hit on in terms of getting our athletes, our clients stronger. So um, I'm just curious, how do you balance that session out? Is it like in that 60 minute block, is it 30 and 30? Is it 30 mobility, 30 uh, strength for that? Let's just say for that general population person. Well, actually, it's funny you say that because I have a little pie chart on a PowerPoint that I do for program design mm-hmm. in my courses. And it's a slide called Training Time Allocation. And for beginners, the way I have it set up is 50% of your time is spent doing mobility, 20% of your time is working on strength, 20% of your time is working on power, and 10% of your time is working on endurance. Mm-hmm. And this is just based on a time spent standpoint, not based on an effort put into it standpoint. Mm -hmm. You just, mobility takes more time. Now the nice thing is you need to rest between strength and power work. Otherwise it stops becoming strength and power work. It becomes endurance work, right? If you do, let's say you're doing a box jumps for power work, right? You do six box jumps, you rest 20 seconds and you do six more. Well, you didn't do two sets of six. Your body basically just thinks you did 12. So it's not really in that power zone anymore. So given that you have to rest in between the power stuff, that you have to rest between the strength stuff, that you have to rest in between the endurance stuff, there's always an opportunity to splice mobility work into it. So I think a combination of dedicated mobility sessions that range from five minutes, like a five-minute flow, up to 20 minutes, combined with strength and conditioning sessions that have mobility work spliced in between. And that's how we arrive at about a 50% of our time spent working on mobility. And the rest of it is split between strength, power, and endurance, depending on the needs of the athlete. But generally, uh, most beginners would do well with 50% mobility, mm-hmm. 50%, 40% uh, strength and power, and then 10% endurance. Okay, so um, I, I mean, I, I'm guessing with with the stuff that you're putting together right now, you're trying to give people uh, a game plan on in terms of like the the products that you're putting out there. You're trying to help, and this is like the hardest thing I must guess as someone in the masking you as someone that puts together these these products where you're trying to not only help fitness professionals out there, but you're trying to help other people that just like to to train and they want to do a better job at it. Um, how do you go about putting together like that system to help other people program for themselves and program for, for others? Was that a huge challenge when it came to like putting uh, together the books oh. and like, like the latest one is as we're doing like kettlebell essentials, which is available now, but like for, for real, like, is that like a huge, like a huge like piece of the project to just figure out how am I going to like explain this information to people? Absolutely. Um, However, what I would say to someone who's just training themselves is that they're a personal trainer too. They're Absolutely, just yeah. the trainer and the client. So it would behoove them to have the information that they need to be effective. Mm-hmm. That being said, 
whether I'm talking to personal trainers or I'm talking to um, just average Joe in the gym, I, I feel like average Joe is such a derogatory though. I mean, he's like, let's call him better than average Joe because he's like getting in there and getting it done. Oh, yeah. So if I'm talking to better than average Joe or I'm talking to Johnny personal trainer because they're all named Johnny, obviously, uh, it, it's going to be fairly similar because I don't want to make things deliberately complicated. People who make things deliberately complicated are going to try to sell you some secret. The truth is it's not that freaking complicated. It can be explained in a simple way. And that's what I try to do regardless of the audience. So as a user of my products, as a reader of my books, as a watcher of my videos, you have the choice of how deep you want your understanding to go. Because I'll give you the simple, easy version. I I will give you the version that is as simple and easy as possible. Mm -hmm. And you can decide how much more detail you want to get about it. You know, in, in my talk, I, I say getting a training effect consistently over the long term is how you get results. Simple as that. You just do something to provide a little bit of stress to the body over and over and over again for a long time. It's as simple as that. And then if you want to get more complex, if you want to start thinking about, okay, when I do the deadlift, how should I, where, where should my weight be distributed in my feet? Mm-hmm. during the initial pull off the floor? Where should my weight distributed be when the bar crosses over my knees? What should I be thinking about? Like, you know, and I'm not a powerlifting coach, so the truth is about those details, for the most part, I almost don't care. I just want someone to try to keep good posture and pick up the damn weight. You know what I mean? Do you, do you have any like goal standards for uh, you know men and women on on strength? Because this is a topic that we talked about when we we're in Long Beach. Is like for for me, I'm starting to kind of hit. I'm I'm kind of starting, and this may sound like really bad, but I'm like starting to hit what I feel is strong enough for me. Like we talked uh, about. I know. Yes. Well, well, let me let me let me preface this a little bit because it's like. Uh, a little humble brag, like, you know, getting up to a 48 kg kettlebell and then thinking, all right, well, of course I'm going to go to the 52. Like that just makes sense. But then, you know, literally, uh, looking at a 52 in my house, I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, do I really need to do a 52 kg get up? Do I really need that, that under my belt? Or do I just get continue to clean up the, the 44 and the 48 and just make that movement great? I have been criticized for saying that, actually, because I feel like I have gotten to the point where, you know, it's silly because you're going to have some people who are like, yeah, that totally makes sense. And some people who will destroy you on a personal level, because how could you possibly think that you're strong enough? How could you be so arrogant? Well, why don't you have that that 400-pound bench? Why don't you have that 700-pound deadlift, that 600-pound back squat? I'll tell you why. It's not fun. You know what's fun? Improving my skill in handstands. Yeah. Doing doing backflips, doing jujitsu, wakeboarding. Like the whole point of fitness is to give you the freedom so you can pursue a healthy and active lifestyle. Hell yeah. Like the end goal isn't lift more weight. I mean, you know, there's a small percent there's a small percentage of the population. Here's this here's the messed up part. There's a small percentage of the population who just gets a total boner over lifting the most weight, honestly. They lo- There's nothing they love more than lifting more weight. 
And those people are usually coaches. And they typically end up coaching people who could not care less about how much weight they can lift. So what they end up doing is they imprint their goals onto their clients. And they say, okay, here's the standard now. You need to be deadlifting X amount of pounds. And I'm not against getting people stronger. I mean, Mm -hmm. we have most of the ladies at my gym who can swing 40 to 48 kilos. Holy shit. Yeah, that's strong, right? And And we keep it for low reps when we go heavy like that. But we got badasses in there. We got guys who can do full front levers, ice cream makers, L sit to handstand too. And these are not these are not like fitness dudes. They're mm-hmm. like commercial real estate agents, and they're <laughs> uh, like CEOs, and they're and they're you know uh, working for the water district. Like it, mm-hmm. it, just all kinds of different jobs, right? So I I would say the most important thing is just continue to have your training be based around a balanced program mm-hmm. where yeah you're improving your deadlift and you're improving your squatting and lunging and you're improving your single leg deadlifting and you can do a leg curl and you can plank and crawl and climb on stuff and the idea is that when you go out and try to play pickup basketball with someone or when you try to go um, you know play frisbee in the park with your kid or something like that that you don't break that that's the whole point Mm-hmm. The whole point of fitness is to give you the freedom to pursue that active lifestyle for the rest of your life. And that and that's certainly my mission. And my mission at this point has nothing to do specifically with how much weight a person can lift. Mm-hmm. Um, do I have some markers on what I would consider strong? Sure. I mean, we had, you know, we, we did a little test last month on uh, grip strength. So it was a it was a hang challenge, like how long can you hang? Mm-hmm. And we actually had several ladies go over three minutes just hanging on a bar. <laughs> so I would say that's impressive. I would say for a guy, deadlifting double body weight is plenty damn impressive. For, is that for like a single? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, it depends, right? Like what what group of people are you talking about are you hanging out with a bunch of powerlifters double body weight deadlift is a laugh no it's man like 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 i i totally hear you and this is this is something that it took some age for for me to figure out too like you you bet your ass i i, I think i i might have talked about this on the show but i just don't know if it was stuff that we talked about uh over the last couple of weeks but like having that idea as soon as i got my first personal training job i was basically just doing powerlifting not powerlifting stuff but you know i was I was having to literally harass my boss to get a trap bar because like, yeah, I trap bar deadlift a lot. And like, yeah. you know, yeah, we're going to do barbell front squats because that is something that, you know, I, I did a bunch and I thought was a really good way to to build strength and to increase people's heart rate. So um, it, it took a while for me to kind of let go of that stuff and realize, you know, yeah, like this isn't just for me. This is for, this isn't for me at all. This is for the person that, that I'm training and the goals that they have and figure out the best way to get them to those goals and not just doing something that looks cool or separates me from the other trainers at the gym. Oh, without question. And the other thing I would add to all this, because I have several programs that people have followed successfully, but it just, just do something, just mm-hmm. try something out and see if you like it. I mean, I would hope, you know, I, I would hope that a person 
like buys my stuff and uses it and sends me an email about how much it like changed their life. That's, that's like my favorite thing. And I, you know, truth be told, I get those like every three or four days, which is awesome. But I think a person should try like a hundred different programs by the time, um, through the course of their life. Like, why not? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you have plenty of time. How much does a normal program go for? Like 12 weeks? 12-week program, eight-week program. If it's men's health, it's a two-week program that'll <laughs> give you like 80 inches to your arms. Whoa, wait. Can you email that to me after this, all right? Yeah, I have the PDF. Okay, thanks. Um, Password protected, though. I need no, your email first. Okay, yeah. We don't have we, we Facebook message. So yeah. th- that, that, that's, <laughs> a, that's a good thing to to mention just like in terms of like talking about uh, you know my development in terms of strength and as a, a trainer or a coach, like you bet your ass, like whenever there was like a new, a new Chad Waterbury program, a new uh, Dan John program, like even like a, uh, a Thibodeau program, like I was trying whatever came out on T Nation because, well, this looks different than what I'm doing. Maybe this is the way I should be training. So I got to make a ton of mistakes. I got to, you know, finding stuff like Chad Waterbury stuff was like realizing, oh yeah, you know, a lot of volume is okay sometimes for someone that is relatively weak. And that is something that I can learn about and see what these effects, uh, what these programs affect are, are on my body. And, you know, maybe you, you carry some of that over or maybe you throw it all out, but those are mistakes that needed to be made so I could learn from, from them because, I'm a smart ass. Like I need to make these mistakes myself because I'm not always going to trust someone else to do it, to like just take their advice or take from their history. I need to see that this stuff doesn't work or does work by myself. Uh, yeah. I mean, just see what you like. It's as simple as that. What do you like to do? I mean, does it, does it really make sense for someone to do a powerlifting program if they don't really like benches and squats? Right. You well, know, what, do you, what do you think? Are there, are there certain movements that you think like, yeah, I understand like you might not like these movements, but these are just like the movement patterns that we need to have in the program. Like these are just things that we, we have to do. Are those, are there anything like anything on the top of your like, head or things that you do have in like kind of like we, all the programs that we have to do? Yeah. Not like have to do, but like, yeah, we should really do this guys. Like this is something, this is an important thing to do. Uh, gosh. Yeah, I, I have a couple that I think are extremely important. I think single leg deadlifting, whether you go light or heavy, doesn't matter. I think single leg deadlifting is hugely beneficial. Mm-hmm. I think uh, various hanging stuff is very beneficial. Um, I would also say that crawling is pretty useful. It, the learning curve is pretty fast. It's kind of fun, and it also kind of gets a lot of stuff to happen reflexively that I want to have happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, carrying stuff as well, but, but really just, you know, upper push, pull, lower push, pull, core (laughs) core twist, uh, you know, and you could probably add a carry to that, but things that are task oriented and that are also fun Mm -hmm. happen to check the most boxes for me. I, I really just make sure whenever I write a program that I've got more pushes or more pulls than pushes and that I hit all those main patterns. And if I do that. You feel the same way about like hip dominant versus knee dominant stuff? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I'll try to add more uh, hinging than squatting for most people. And mm-hmm. even, even if that just means adding in accessory work with like slider leg curls, right. I think slider, slider leg curls are an extremely underrated exercise. Totally. Uh, 
because they don't look that cool on Instagram, unfortunately. Uh, and that's and that's like a big problem right now is exercises that don't look cool on Instagram just get no love whatsoever. You're right. Well, I, I, can we take a step back and talk about hanging? Because that is something that was a little bit of a shock to me that I am terrible at because this is someone that... You know, I I can do four chin ups with a hundred pounds of extra load on my body, but that is badass, by the way. It, it's that ba- is badass. Yeah, yeah, I don't but, I don't give you enough compliments. I give you a hard time most of the time, but that is badass. No, but you know what's more badass is the door frame is able to actually like not explode when I do. <laughs> so, um, that but, is also badass. And I was, yeah, this, whoever built this house did a great job. But um, like I realized, um, like I am really terrible hanging. Uh, with one arm, like it scares the crap out of me because it almost feels like I'm gonna like tear my lats. Um, so that's something that I've been working on. But just like I ride my bike down to the park and I just like swing from, like they have monkey bars and I just like go from one monkey bar to the other, one arm at a time. And I've been trying to improve on that. But but how do you? I guess how how do you like to improve people's ability to hang and and why is it important? Uh. It, it's good for the shoulder. Mm-hmm. I would also suggest that people do it assisted first yeah. if they're not yeah. used to it. And yeah, I talk a lot about hanging in simple shoulder solution because it needs to be combined with scapular control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So the ability to retract, protract, elevate, and depress the scapula while you're hanging is hugely important. Mm-hmm. And to start doing this, just to get a feel for it, you can actually take a band and attach it to the pull-up bar so it's pulled away at an angle mm-hmm. and then get your torso so it's in line with the band. So it's like an overhead position. Yeah, yeah. But the band isn't obviously pulling as much as your entire body weight would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely start slow. And that really has the potential to open some stuff up in the shoulder and the torso once you start doing the torso movements. I usually go through a little... Uh, hanging routine where we work on some hanging hollow positions. We work on some hanging scapular movements, holding that hollow. We do a couple leg raises. We do a couple twists. And it's kind of this uh, comprehensive fix you, but also improve your uh, body control. Um, I have a dog that's looking at me right now to to be fed and, and go for a walk. But I do want to kind of like, again, have a little bit of a, a loaded question and, and kind of ask you outside of like the business stuff, what do you think we're missing out on as an industry as a whole? Like, what do you think, you know, the people that are listening to this you know, may benefit from that they're not hearing enough. They're not necessarily hearing enough about, um, or we're not talking enough about. Oof. So like for personal trainers, you think? Absolutely. I think I think you can go anywhere with this because this audience is not just, you know, personal trainers and strength coaches, but it's just people that like to, you know, know a lot about fitness and nutrition and just be, you know, badasses when they get into the weight room. Don't get bored and don't get hurt. How do we do that? Uh, well, you don't get hurt by making sure you have a well-balanced training program. All right. And taking care of your mobility. So, Balancing out the program like we talked about, and then uh, five minute flow type of stuff. Well, maybe, and then boredom. Yeah, I was just for 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 the boredom stuff. I guess my my question would be how, how do we how do we keep it fresh without going too far off the deep end? How, like, what are your favorite ways to modify, you know, a training regimen so it's different, but it's not necessarily just you know 
again, Instagram throwing crap up against the the wall and seeing what looks cool. Well, and and maybe and maybe five percent of your training should be Instagram stuff that looks cool. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't I don't I don't think it's it's wrong necessarily to just do something for the fun of it. I mean, we do a we do a drill at the gym right now that I came up with called reactive patty cake, and <laughs> of course <laughs> it's you an did. awesome name, right? Uh, basically, you stand in front of, front of another person. I put my hands, my palms uh, facing me, and then I flash a hand out either to the right or to the left. And your goal is to tap that hand as soon as I put it out there. And you can take a lunging step and you can move around. And the idea is that you want to get um, as quick as possible reacting to those different things. So right. if you do that in between like a set of deadlifts or something, you know, you make it a hell of a lot more fun. And then the other thing I would say, and this is maybe more from like several years ago with the ultimate athleticism thing is pick up some skills, Mm. work, work on a skill. It's very rewarding in a different way to learn a skill than it is to add five pounds to your deadlift. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I teach people who are in their fifties and sixties, how to juggle, there is a lot of laughing and smiling going on. And the truth is, at this point, I mean, for for guys like you and I, it's almost harder to stay consistent because even though we love fitness, it's one of those situations where we've already done so much. We've spent so much time. We need something that's really novel to get us excited about it again. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who end up going toward like, uh, you know, the break dancing and, uh, flow type of stuff yeah. just because you know you can only do so many years of six days a week of bench row squat deadlift you know mm-hmm. well that's why so, i got really into the kettlebell stuff is because it was right. new and it was different and it was a new like challenge every single every single time i did them well and that's exactly why i put kettlebell essentials together it's for a beginner and you can do it with just one kettlebell you can hit all the major movement patterns, and it also has the freedom to make things a little bit more fun and interesting and stimulating. And it lays the foundation for stuff like uh, kettlebell flows and kettlebell juggling and stuff like that. Which, once again, if you can find something that's fun and covers all those major patterns, that that's what you should do. Like, you know, I I have a lady that I I have a girl that I train. She's great. Um, made a lot of progress doesn't like using kettlebells just doesn't does not like them (laughs) at all she doesn't like them she doesn't like the way it feels i'm like okay we won't use them it's as simple it's as simple as that do i think that she would benefit from using kettlebells absolutely you know what's scary is there's some people out there that would say find another gym yeah those people are assholes i know i know but that's uh, again that's uh we have a very we have a very very big fitness industry these days with a lot of people in it not all good well and so here's here's something along that same line there's a a lady at the gym and she's fantastic she's a good friend of mine um she uh she wears like two sets of wristbands and gloves and occasionally wears a set of wristbands over her upper arms for when we do kettlebell cleans so she doesn't get bruises. Yeah. All right. And I remember a long time ago, you know, I still, um, I teach RKC certifications uh, many times a year 
all over the world now. But I remember when I first went through in 2008, it was a very different, let's say, style of communication where if you used gloves or wristbands or something like that, you were a sissy and you should just tough it out. And I'm thinking, wow, so this this girl at my gym, this lady at my gym would never have gotten to the point where she is now if I had said, oh, well, you, you can't train unless you get rid of those, you know, sissy cuffs or something like that, you know? And this is a girl who's front squatting a pair of 24 kilo bells, goblet squatting the 48, doing tons of weighted pull-ups. I mean, she's, she's a total beast. Uh, she just happens to wear wristbands and gloves to protect herself. And I think the fact that some people see that as like a deal breaker for training. Uh, I think that's just an ego move, honestly. I think that is, um, I mean, this is, this is a huge generalization and things have certainly improved over the years, but I think that was my initial, um, the thing that kind of, uh, bugged me a little bit about kettlebell certifications in the kettlebell, like community in general, like Mm -hmm. years ago, um, where it was very much not inclusive. It was basically like, yeah, if you can't do, you know, if you can't do this, uh, this feat, not feat of strength, but you have these like strength things on your test where you have to do whatever it is, like a hundred kettlebell snatches or something like that on each side and a certain Mm -hmm. amount of time. It's like, yeah, you're not good enough. You can't coach this stuff. You can't do that. And I was like, that makes no sense to me as someone like, go ahead, sorry. And it's a it's an interesting two edged sword because I understand why they did it that way. Absolutely, yeah. You have to have some standards. Well, no. What you do is you create a peak experience, and it's the same reason that self help gurus like to lock people in a sweat lodge for like eight hours (laughs) at a time, so that when they come out, they're like, "Oh my god, this totally changed my life because now I can breathe normal air again." You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Uh, so when you suffer with somebody, there's a thing that happens psychologically, which I think is a big part of why it caught on is people are like, Oh my God, it was the most brutal weekend of my life. Mm-hmm. But no one was saying, Oh my God, that was like the best coaching I've ever received or wow, that really helped my coaching. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when things changed and when I got promoted to be a master RKC, you know, we were able to change the face of how that works a little bit, you know? So it really has become much more about the coaching and much less about uh, punishments and burpees and swings and push-ups and all that other nonsense. It really, it really should be about the coaching. And, and right. I would say that that's, that's one of the things I'm most proud of in the last several years is the evolution that's happened where it's, it's really just focused on the coaching. Love it. That's why it's so great that you're there and there's uh you know, there there's definitely been some some progress made and all that stuff. But if people want to get some more information and some great content on kettlebells and kettlebell training, they should go to kettlebell-essentials.com where they can pick up Max's video course for the low, low price of 49 bucks, guys. That's like nothing. That might as well be $0 when you're going to be able to get all 18 of those videos. And I was lucky enough to get to check it out. It's badass. You uh, and Holly worked your asses off to put this thing together. And um, it is really great to be able to have just things that people can get access to immediately. You don't have to like wait for stuff in the mail. Just get access to that stuff and you're going to be 
uh, good to go. So, um, not only is like 12 week program, you get to work on, you know, coaching cues, technique variations, joint mobility, but also we talked about that snatch test. You get a whole guide on how to pass that if you are going to go through the, uh, the RKC and stuff like that. So you get access to uh, a bunch of great stuff. And again, it is uh, kettlebell-essentials.com where you can go and uh, pick that up. Uh, do you have anything else that people should keep an eye out for, for from you, Max? You know, I actually just launched my new website. It has tons of free information on it. And I just... Uh, I spent a lot of time, Holly helped me tons uh, with the website, but it is a lot more user-friendly now. There's a lot of good free content on there, um, and it's also split up into different categories. Mm-hmm. So whether you're a beginner, a little bit broken, or you're looking for like something like next level, you're ready for the next level, um, there are different paths that you can follow with uh, free information for whatever you're looking to do. So I, I think it's extremely user-friendly now. I'm really happy with the way it turned out. And that is, of course, at maxshank.com. And if you are a Patreon supporter or someone that is a regular supporter through uh, PayPal at fitcast.network, where you can sign up for both those things um, from uh, from this episode, a little bit of an addition, we have about a 30-minute talk on just great um, a great discussion on, on business and, and finances and stuff that's not just for, for personal trainers and coaches, but it is going to be vital for, for them as well. But just a really great uh, you know lessons talk on on that for the, the people are help that are helping me make this show every single week. And it means so much. And that's why I'm giving back to them. And Max has helped me do that by, uh, that extra 30 minute segment. Um, I don't know if it's either going to be after the music of this show, or I'm going to put it in a separate file. I'm going to still figure that out this week, but, uh, thank you so much to everyone that is supporting the show. And that's just a, a way to say thank you for, uh, helping support this dream of just launching a podcast network and delivering some great information every single week. Um, all right. Well, that is going to, to do it for us. You can find Max all over the place. You can go to <laughs> like literally, well, you can go to Facebook, you know, Facebook is Facebook, but also you can go to, uh, at Max Shank on Twitter, on, uh, Instagram. Uh, he's on YouTube. He's on, He's got his MySpace page with his five favorite movies on there. Uh, that's, can... that's not even true. Oh, that's not. <laughs> oh, you took that down. Okay, he doesn't have that anymore. But uh, it's. I mean, it's all just Max Shank, one word on all those social media outlets that are worth supporting. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, again, thank you to everyone for tuning in this week. Network is where you can get not just this show, but all the other shows, including one main feed where you can get all the shows like the Fitcast Book Club, like we are recording, like Back in My Play for all you guys that like old video games. But also that show has evolved and now Back in My Play also goes to the movies. So you can hear about great things like Flight of the Navigator and The Rocketeer with Georgia Dow. Two great movies that you should go check out so thank you so much for tuning in this week we will see you next time with uh some more great episodes of the fit have a great week 